0: isn't it nice to not have FOMO? Isn't it nice that the only FOMO in our lives is FOMO sapiens? Isn't it nice that none of us have to worry that there's a party going on that we weren't invited to? You know, I mean, I've gone out every night. I've gone out eight nights a week, actually, for 25 years. I wouldn't trade the situation for the, you know, nice, quiet time that I've had in a million years. Don't get me wrong. But there has been a sort of, I think, a turning inward and an introspection, certainly that happened in the beginning of quarantine.
1: That's Bronson Van Wyk. He's a renowned event planner and the author of Born a Party, Forced to Work. I'm your host, Patrick McGinnis, and this is FOMO Sapiens, part of the HBR Presents Network. We live in a world of overwhelming options, and whether you're an entrepreneur, an executive, or just someone who wants to make the most out of your time and money, committing to just one thing can feel impossible. That's called FOMO, and it's short for fear of missing out. How do I know? Because I coined the term. Welcome to FOMO Sapiens, the show where I ask entrepreneurial thinkers how they make personal and professional decisions in a world of overwhelming choice. Once upon a time, in the not too distant past, people used to go to weddings, graduation ceremonies, fundraisers, and birthday parties. Back then, the power of in-person events was undeniable and in-person events became a critical part of the marketing channel for brands that wanted to give their customers an immersive experience. That time, which seems so far away now, is known as 2019. And then starting in March, 2020, all of these things ground to a halt and the great pause began. Now, way back during this golden age known as 2019, which was also season two of FOMO Sapiens, I was joined by Bronson Van Wyck, the founder of the leading events planning firm, Van Wyk and Van Wyk, Bronson is the kind of man who puts together events that frequently show up in the newspaper or splashed across Instagram. And as someone who would plan events for both presidents and queens, I'm looking at you, Beyonce, Bronson is the ultimate FOMO sapiens. He even published a book called Born a Party, Forced to Work in 2019. And that title says it all. When the pandemic hit and everything got canceled, I actually thought of Bronson and wondered how this master of creating FOMO on a regular basis was surviving in the age of FOGO or fear of going out. Today, Bronson's back to tell us how he made tough decisions at a time of uncertainty and also how he's staking his claim in the emerging world of digital event planning. Plus, he'll give us some tips on how to throw better digital events. By the way, if you wanna go back and listen to Bronson's episode, head over to Spotify where I've created playlists of past episodes based on themes like entrepreneurship, productivity, and mission-driven businesses you'll find Bronson's episode on the best of playlist alongside some of my other favorite guests. So head over to Spotify, search for FOMO Sapiens and check it out. And while you're there, I'd love it if you'd leave me a review. Also stick around for the foam moment of the show when I'll be joined by Alan Shamo, a Miami-based mentalist who, like Bronson, has reinvented himself. When he realized that he could no longer read minds in person, traveling the world on cruise ships, he moved the show online and now does private and corporate events over Zoom. I recently went to one of his shows and I had to bring him on FOMO Sapiens because his story is inspiring and he's pretty amazing. I love the creativity, the grit, and the talent. And now on to the interview. Since I remembered that Bronson had effectively steered his business through massive headwinds during the 2008 financial crisis, I wanted to start our interview by getting a sense as to whether he came into 2020 with a contingency plan in place for another Black Swan event.
0: The short answer to that is no. I uh, I don't think any business, particularly a small business, nothing about their business plan prepares them for 18 months with zero revenue. That's not a going concern. And so, no, we didn't. We didn't plan for for this in terms of the pandemic i mean you know i i don't sit around thinking about apocalypse or disaster scenarios or asteroids or or earthquakes or anything like that but i trust in our country that somebody else does and i trust not that things can't happen but i certainly trust that if they do happen the United States of America is the country that responds to them uh, more quickly, more efficiently, more effectively, more powerfully uh, than any other country. And so, you know, I wouldn't have predicted this, but I would have certainly said, you know, gosh, something like this could could possibly happen. And in a, in a trillion dollar uh, federal budget, you would think that there's some really smart people, much smarter than I am, who all they do is think about this and uh, it sounds like maybe actually there were people thinking about it but uh either they were let go or reassigned or just not listened to that i certainly that i certainly didn't predict
1: yeah i think a lot of us didn't and and as i think back to back to earlier this year i remember thinking this was going to be two weeks maybe two weeks of quarantine, and then we come out. And I'm wondering, as, as you put yourself back into the early days, February, March, you're talking to your clients. I imagine you had a lot of big events coming up. What were the conversations and how were the decisions made about deciding to shut everything down?
0: The conversations with the clients were, you know, a, 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 real, a really sincere, I would say, distillation of what are we doing here when we're having an event, when we're having a party? And, you know, if it's a brand, it's for a set of business objectives. Um, And if it's an individual, say, for example, a wedding or a birthday party or something, it's for a different set of objectives. But none of the objectives include getting people sick or having people be stressed out about coming or creating any sort of, um, you know, hospitality is about making people feel good and comfortable and taken care of, not about making them feel stressed out and potentially endangered. And, you know, it's about bringing people together so that they interact in ways that they they experience each other, they get to know each other, and they have good memories. And if their memories of each other are sort of avoiding other people at a party, that's, you know, whatever, that's, that's a waste of time. It's a waste of everybody's time. And so I think it was a kind of, it was a, it was a conversation, a dialogue, a back and forth with the clients as they sort of thought, you know, this is we're not going to achieve our objectives, you know, and for a fashion brand. I mean, they don't want to be the typhoid Mary of Seventh uh, Avenue. They don't want to be the ones who have the really cool, really chic party that, you know, 10 days later, 40 people test positive for COVID from they'd never live it down. So in, in some ways, those were the easy conversations in terms of our internal conversation, I think that I didn't really know what to do. And I guess I'm a pretty, I'm pretty non-alarmist. And my feeling was, oh, this is just, you know, it's it's the flu plus. And then I saw that Oval Office address. It was like nine minutes of complete incoherence. I, I, I've never, I've never heard anything like that from a president. And it made me I turned that thing off and I said, you know what? Nobody is leading us right now. Nobody's leading us. Nobody's taking care of us. We have to take care of ourselves. And so I went in the next day, literally the next day, and we said to everybody, we're leaving this office at three o'clock today and we are going to self-quarantine because and I wasn't worried about us in the office. Actually, I was thinking about we have a duty as citizens as part of a larger community to flatten the curve.
1: And so you close down operations. Obviously, your clients are not doing events because number one, it's illegal. Number two, it's immoral. Number three, there's no ROI. So, So your business disappears overnight. You have to restructure. So as you've done that, what has been your guiding principle about how to get through this period of time?
0: We have structured the business now so that we are conserving uh, the working capital that we need, uh, so that we are planning to to be able to make it through this. We're in a, we're in this for the long haul. We're not going away.
1: So Bronson, you went from the business of generating FOmo, creating these events for brands, for individuals, to dealing with a clientele that had fear of going out, or Fogo, as I call it. And you <laughs> had to pivot your business into a new direction. So I would love to hear the kinds of things that you're doing now in this new age. How have you pivoted to digital?
0: I really do believe that uh, hospitality is real and virtual doesn't doesn't cut it. And we can do everything we can do, but I don't think it holds a candle to the real thing. So we have been figuring out ways that in a safe, completely hygienic way, we can incorporate the real into the virtual. For example, we, we had a uh, an event a week or two ago, and we had a Michelin star chef, and she did a cooking uh, class. And this was a tight group of friends, like 26 friends, who would have been together for somebody's milestone birthday, uh, who loves food. So we put together the entire ingredient list all everything you needed in the recipe packaged it in a in a in a very sanitized careful way and delivered it to each of the 26 people so they got to do a cooking class with the ingredients with the chef um and all learn how to do something together they had a wonderful experience we had another party where uh, uh, we worked on a virtual uh, event again this was also this was also a birthday party And uh, the girl, it was a significant birthday for the girl. She's named after a song, um, after a line from a song. And so we went and got the, the artist from the 80s who had sung the song and she came on and sang the song. Now, that sounds like a crazy, extravagant thing to do, right? In quarantine, it's not because the talent, they're like the rest of us. They're sitting around they're not getting to practice their their craft, their art, and they probably, you know, they're taking a hit on their their revenue at the same time. So so to get to get an artist, even an A-list artist, right now to do something from their living room for 10 minutes is actually really cheap.
1: All right, if you've ever wanted Lionel Richie to sing at your virtual birthday party, this is your moment. Now Bronson having done these digital events and putting a lot of thought into design and and elevating the digital experience are there things in the experience that you think are better than the in-person events
0: the only thing i think that's better about a digital event is that you can be more inclusive and you you you, you have to be a real jerk to not let somebody on your zoom okay i mean you know, you may not want someone – you may not want someone to invite someone to your party. You may not want to buy their food and wine and, and everything all night. I get it. You know, so you don't – you can't invite everybody to everything. But, but uh, you know, I think you can you, – you certainly can allow them to log in <laughs> to Zoom. So, you know, that's been nice, and I've seen um, – you know, I, I guess what I, – I, I guess I've seen groups of people – who have, and I, this has certainly been the case in my life, there are groups of people who I love, who I just, the crush of life, I mean, the, the, the busyness. You know, I, I, New York is one of these places where you, you don't actually have meals with the people you love the most. Um, you have meals with people that you have to make plans with. Because you have to make plans, But it's really weird to call your best friend and say, hey, uh, hmm, I'm looking at the calendar here. You want to have dinner on August 14th? You're like, "Uh, yeah, jerky. Like, (laughs) where's this coming from? You know, but but you have no problem making an August 14th plan with, you know, somebody who you might have dinner with twice a year. So your whole life gets sort of built around these almost appointments. Right. And so. I think that what's been really nice is that's all been stripped away. And I have a group of friends, some from high school, some from college. We've all we all sort of spent time together in New York in our 20s. And we've all been Zooming at least once a week. And it's just so fun to have the old gang together. And, you know, sometimes other people join us if somebody's around or whatever. And that's really nice. And I've had some book clubs that have been amazing right now. Cause we all have time to read again in terms of the, in terms of actual virtual parties, what's better. I don't think much is better to be honest, but I will make it as good as it absolutely possibly can be. And, and I, we have figured that out and we have now we've, at this point, we've probably done more of them than anybody else. I mean, we've done, we've done dozens uh, over the past uh, 10 weeks and we do have it down.
1: only for our listeners at babble.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. So for somebody who's listening and says, well, he clearly has cracked the code, what are a couple things all of us can do to make our online events meaningful, personal, better?
0: Well, I mean, they're the basic things. Make yourself look good. Because if you look good, you you act better, and and so you know what's the most important thing you can do? Get your get your camera angles right, get some good lighting. I think what makes these things really fun is some kind of uh, shared experience of preparation, and so you know the book clubs have been really fun because we're obviously all reading a book, but. You know, they say actors like have that fourth wall, uh, which is the audience, and they have to step through it and bring the audience back with them onto the stage so that they're you're living the experience of the play. And and that's in a way what we have to do with a virtual event. We have to step through the screen, grab the viewer, grab the participant, and pull them into this sort of, you know, into a, a, a real sharing, not a virtual sharing, but a real sharing of feeling and and warmth and emotion. Um, so, you know, if, if there's sort of a common assignment, it doesn't have to be an assignment. It can be sending everybody. I mean, you send them the ingredients for, uh, for the cocktail.
1: Yeah, you could do that with food. You can do it with drinks. You can do it with an activity. It's actually a really good idea, and it makes Zoom way more interactive. So when we last got together, you told us about a piece of advice that Anna Winter had given you about when you are running a business, you have to decide. You have a meeting with people and you have to give them clear direction. And then you must decide so that they can go out and do the things they need to do for your business to move forward. And now we have lived through a period of unprecedented uncertainty. So making decisions is probably harder than it's ever been. So did you feel like there was anything you could control? Were there elements where you said, "Okay, if I just do this, then we can do that? Or did it feel like you just were sort of like on a boat on the ocean in a storm and you were just trying to hold on?
0: We were powerless to handle the situation. we were, I mean, this is a complete collapse of the market for what we do. As I said, it, I mean, what we do is actually illegal today. Um, and so what What was I able to do? You know, what? what did making decisions mean in, in that context, what it meant was being transparent and being honest and being open and in real time communicating to them the important information, the information that was going to have important effects on their on their lives. So we were very clear that through no fault of their own, uh, there was not going to be work. We were for, for everybody on the team and and you know that broke my heart um but that didn't mean that i could get away with soft pedaling it or not being straight up about it from the get-go so um you know in effect uh, our team had a had a it was, it was sad but but it was uh, mature
1: now, you run this business with family members, your mom's involved, your sister's involved. And since the 2008 crisis, you have rebuilt this business uh, to a place that was really amazing. And now you're dismantling it. And I have to imagine that takes a real toll on you. So how did you personally deal with the stress and with the process of making the hard decisions that you had to make? What was it like from a personal perspective?
0: When we wrapped up, with the larger team and became a smaller team, I, I, that happened sort of, there was one day, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the change day and I didn't get out of bed for two days. I was so sad. And, and then when I did, so that was a Friday. And then when I got out of bed on Monday, I really like didn't, I mean, I was non-functional for the weekend. I was so sad, and and then, but then on the Monday, I felt this gigantic burden had uh, had been lifted from me, and and the burden I realized was the burden of caring for for all these people who were on the team, and with my most senior colleagues, with sort of the management, my sister, my mother. Uh, there uh, there. Are some others, uh, sort of a group of six of us that run the business. We spent every waking moment uh, trying to figure out how we could just do right by the, by the team and at the same time survive. And I think that we achieved both of those things.
1: Now, Bronson, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you back is because And this is something I say with great respect. You're one of the bigger FOMO sapiens I've ever met. So I wanted to get your take on what level of FOMO you're at these days and how you think about FOMO in this new age we're living in.
0: Isn't it nice to not have FOMO? Isn't it nice that the only FOMO in our lives is FOMO sapiens? Isn't it nice (laughs) that none of us have to worry that there's a party going on that we weren't invited to? You know, I mean, I've gone out every night. I've gone out eight nights a week, actually, for 25 years. I wouldn't trade the situation for the, you know, nice quiet time that I've had in a million years. Don't get me wrong. But there has been a sort of, I think, a turning inward and an introspection, certainly that happened in the beginning of quarantine.
1: I'll tell you something, Bronson. You and I are people who run around doing a lot of things, and I did enjoy the quiet I enjoyed the, the bread making and all of these things for a period of time. And then I thought to myself, okay, I've done that now. When will we go back to normal? I like this. I will integrate some of these things back into my life. I will maintain these things. But at the same time, is this the life I want to leave for the next five years no. And so I'm predicting for myself and many others that when we're able to go about our lives as we once did, that we will have a golden age of FOMO in which everybody will want to do and be everywhere. And, um, and that's okay, because when, when, you, you know, when, when you have FOMO, it means there's something to miss out on.
0: I agree
1: 100%. I am sincerely hopeful that you were right about that. Bronson Van Wyk, author of Born a Party, Forced to Work. Thanks so much for being
0: here. Patrick, thank you. Thank you. Stay safe and stay healthy. Wear a mask when you go out. And don't go to too many parties.
1: (laughs) Okay, don't you worry. (laughs) I will not be. FOMO. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to netsuite.com FOMO. That's netsuite.com FOMO. netsuite.com FOMO. And now it's time for the FOMO moment of the show. And I'm joined by Alan Shamo, a mentalist, that's a mind reader, who had to pivot online when his business performing on cruise ships and in retirement communities got shut down for the foreseeable future. In fact, Allen was supposed to be on one of those infamous cruises that got stuck offshore for weeks at the start of the pandemic, but lucky for him, his contract was canceled. But while he was happy to have missed that one cruise, he still had to figure out what to do next, and his answer was to take the show online. I recently caught one of Alan's shows, and if he had stopped at any point in the performance to read my mind, he would have seen that my mind was completely blown. It was pretty amazing. So I asked Alan to come on the show, to tell us how he does it, and I started our interview by asking him how he decided to make the shift
2: to digital. I immediately understood that, you know, there's something, I, I have to do something, you know, there's not going to be any more events anywhere for, for the perceived time. Uh, we don't know for how long, we still don't know for how long. So there has to be a solution for this. And online was the only thing that I can think of. Uh, We have the technology and entertainment will continue. People need to be entertained. So I thought, let's let's see how can I read minds through the screen. And then I started going through all my material and scratching off everything that needs me to be physically with somebody to actually hand a, a prop to a volunteer or ask them to write something in me, grab me give back or choose a card. It's out of the question. You, you cannot physically choose a card, but you can mentally think of a card. So all this, I went through all the process and I, and I came up with the, with the show that uh, works on zoom. So Alan, you,
1: you start doing these shows online, you figure out how to put together a show. How did you actually get clients to show up to these shows and where has it taken you thus far?
2: Well, the first shows were free. I just put on my social media, who would like to have a show over Zoom for free? So whoever lifts their hand, they're getting it. Uh, the first one was a barber, which is funny. I'm bald and I'm doing a show for a barber, but uh, he was doing it for his team. They were trying to do like a, some kind of a team building to figure out what's the next step because all the barber shops were closed. This is beginning, this is already beginning of April, I think, maybe end of March. And we did the show on Zoom, it went great. You know, I was surprised how engaging it was. They were in with me all the time and they loved it. Then I did another one for free, I did a few of those. So um, that, that's how it started. And, um, and now companies, I had some companies hiring me, to show their team or their clients how to shift their mentality, how to shift and go online, uh, because they, they putting me as an example. Hey, if a mind reader, if a mentalist now is reading mind through the screen, why you cannot do whatever it is that you're doing? So it got, you know, and I, I learned this from a client. A client of mine hired me, and say, you know, I want, I'm hiring you because I want to show them That if you manage to shift, then how come my clients cannot shift?
1: And Alan, for people who are listening who say, I don't know how to move online, and maybe they've got a business like yours where it's not obvious to move online. What's your advice to them?
2: Well, I'm not an expert, but I became a mini-expert in the past three months through all my search and learning and creating a studio at home. I have a full studio, which I started from scratch without knowing anything and just by learning and watching a lot of YouTube. So one of the things I would tell you is, first of all, don't don't be afraid. You know, it's not that complicated. You can do it on a budget. And it's the new reality. And we need to be able to to adjust, Uh, I'm actually now because of that, there's so many entertainers and speakers that uh, are thinking about doing that. Uh, So I'm putting out there some content and some videos just to help them uh, with what I learned. And again, I'm not a big expert, but I already got some experience. Uh, So what would be my advice? Go to your clients, to your past client, to your list. Don't try to go too far. And start calling them or sending an email and saying, hey, I'm willing to do this and that for you. Let's put together a show or happy hour for all your clients. Because what I realized that every show I do online brings me another show more than the shows I used to do online. Because now people, because it's all new, they are afraid to hire somebody they don't know. And they prefer to hire somebody that came from a recommendation, from somebody that actually experienced it. So start with a few freebies with your close friends, with your family. Do a show for your family and friends at the beginning and uh, start ironing it out. That's the, the best advice I can give you.
1: Your existing client is often your best client. Thanks so much for being here, Alan Shamo. Thank you. You can find Alan on Instagram at Alan Shamo. That's A L A N C H A M O. And you can see some of his virtual work at his site. That's alanshamo.com/slash virtual show. FOMO. And that's the end of another episode. If you have an idea, a story, or a question, you can find me on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, on Instagram at Patrick J McGinnis, and at www.patrickmcGinnis.com where you can also take the official FOMO Sapiens diagnostic and find out if you're a FOMO Sapiens. FOMO Sapiens is part of the HBR Presents Network. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis, and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstrom. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it at Spotify and at iTunes. And as always, you can find me at PatrickMcGinnis.com.